This is Japan Baseball Weekly, the only English podcast covering all 12 NPB teams. And now, your hosts, John E. Gibson and Jim Allen. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of June 14th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Sunday night is my partner, Jim Allen. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well, thank you. And yourself? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I'm doing okay. I'm doing fine, though. It, it's raining. It's it's cool outside. What else can we say? <laughs> I'm um, waiting for football season. Maybe, <laughs> maybe some, there are days when the less said, the better. <laughs> yes. They're not always in podcast land, I suppose. <laughs> Fewer words and truer words, my friend. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Mask yeah. up and hunker down. Uh, we got to keep doing it. Uh, although... <laughs> I wouldn't call it a rollout with the uh, vaccinations. It's more like a drip out, but yeah. uh, it is happening. <laughs> yeah, it's more like an it's more like they're giving Japan an IV. Well, yeah, yeah. I think just before the Olympics, there will be suddenly a mass dosage of of vaccines administered somehow <laughs> so no. in the next three weeks. Here, I'm pretty oh, sure. Some, wow, Something you're optimistic. Me. I'm not optimistic. I'm on the list. <laughs> I'm optimistic. <laughs> okay. Up the listic. Okay. All okay. right. Let's not go too far up the listic here. All right. On this week's show, we've got a chat with Nick Martinez of the SoftBank Hawks. We're going to discuss the Buffaloes winning interleague play. We're going to look at the top rookies so far, touch on the latest starts by Masahiro Tanaka and Rockin' Rogi Sasaki, and more. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases! Okay, I had a chat on Thursday with the SoftBank Hawks right-hander Nick Martinez, uh, late of the Nippon Ham Fighters. And it was really interesting uh, for a variety of reasons. It, you know, he, he went from, a, from the worst, uh, they're the worst team in the Pacific League right now. Mm-hmm. And he went from them, you know, left them before they were the worst, and now they are. And he joined um, what was ostensibly the best team in the Pacific League. So, lots of questions there. It obviously, it it wasn't Plan A to go to the Hawks. Plan For A, him. right? Plan A was to go and pitch in the majors this year. Okay, but. I, uh, ostensibly what happened was, and I'm, I'm not a hundred percent certain about this, but the Hawks spent a lot of time trying to woo Matt Moore back to Japan and Matt Moore wanted to be back in Japan, except he didn't want to spend another year without his family. Right. And they were having a baby. So uh, right. be born at this time. So yeah, yeah. Right. I can so understand they that. decided, uh, no. And so after that, they gave up on that. They went around looking for who might be available. And here's this guy who's been hurt, and he's been kind of up and down with the fighters. And they thought, eh, well, okay, let's. I don't know what the fighters' thought process was, but they were probably thinking of Nick Martinez as kind of, you know, the plan B. And he was surprised because it was very late when they contacted him, and he said, sure. And as you'll hear in the interview, he was ready. <laughs> he was rocking and ready to come to Japan. Uh, now, uh, lots of things I'll leave out, but I'm just want to, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the difference between the fighters 
and the Hawks and the Hawks and other, you know, sort of our impression of Japanese teams. And so uh, let's just take it away with Nick Martinez of the SoftBank Hawks. Okay, joining us this week on the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast is veteran Japan <laughs> pro baseball pitcher Nick Martinez. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's always a pleasure. Uh, you know, we've been following you since you, you've come to Japan, and it's been a little ups and downs, but yeah. you sure landed on your feet this spring. Yeah, uh, you know, some, something to prove, right? I, I had an injury. You know, statistically, my last year wasn't great, but mm-hmm. considering I came off, a, I didn't pitch at all in 2019. Right. Uh, finishing the year healthy and, and, not, and not missing any time due to injury was really the main goal last year. And, uh, I accomplished that goal, so it wasn't uh, you know complete letdown last year, mm-hmm. but uh, statistically still a down year uh, nonetheless, and you know something to prove this year. Okay. Well, now. You go to the SoftBank Hawks, and it's a, it's a whole different gig. And I have to ask, what was it like pitching for the Hawks against your old team for the first time? That was cool. Uh, you know, uh, different emotions, just of anxious, emotional, exciting, mm-hmm. right. uh, facing you know my friends. I have, uh, you know, I feel like I have some real good friendships over there. Right. Um, you know, guys that I that I hope to call friends for the rest of my life. That there's guys that. Have, have treated me really well there and uh, exceptional teammates and so facing them was was cool you know um mm. felt like facing your your old pal from from <laughs> back in the day and uh so it was really exciting for me i really liked it i really enjoyed it i'll bet and uh, a couple of other things that i've well i guess i'm gonna ask you the other thing now what has changed for you uh, in addition, I guess health is one thing, but what has changed for you going from the fighters to the Hawks? Hmm. Uh, well, uh, definitely a confidence in how I want to attack hitters. You know, uh, I did a little bit of experimenting the last year. Right. Didn't really prove uh, prove to my benefit. And this year, uh, having a clear idea of how I want to attack guys has given me some extra confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've had I've had made changes in, in you know my change of grip and cur- curveball and some of my grips that have proven to be more effective and I think that helps too. Um, and applying that with a, a better understanding of how do I t- attack them gives even more confidence. I have to ask when you walk in the door, you know when you you enter the uh, the the special club room they have for the Hawks pitchers. You know they say like here's your membership card and here's your spike curve. <laughs> you know uh they don't they don't but uh <laughs> there, there's a lot of good pitchers on this team for sure it almost seems like they, they have a knack for finding that right it's, it seems like everybody who goes there through it did you throw that before i threw it last year yeah oh, okay yeah because it's almost like that's you know it's part of the resume okay oh no he doesn't throw it so let's let's let him go somewhere let's teach him it <laughs> <laughs> indeed okay yeah yeah Okay. Now, uh, speaking of that, what of the what of what did the now I know you've spoken about uh, being open to what Takiyaki was saying about about the way you pitched to the Hawks before. Um, mm-hmm. What have the coaches informed you that have has been useful for you about about the anything? Hawks yeah, or just about going yeah. Other teams. Well, going with the Hawks and maybe uh, in a, in terms of approach or or uh, 
mechanics or anything? Hmm. So I, I, I've been. Uh, we don't have the conversation about mechanics every single day, but I right. do talk to our pitching coaches mm-hmm. and our, uh, about you know maybe reasons for why I'm doing a certain drill if they see me doing a drill, okay. or what my focus may be in a certain bullpen, and, and then their feedback is, is is very good in that you know they may tell me my balance might be a little off. And, uh, wow. A lot of the times I, I say yeah I did feel something like you know sometimes having someone with an objective view mm. you know helps because I may feel like uh, you know i can see a pitch is not you know hitting the target the way i want mm-hmm. and, and i may not be able to find it then he, he may be like, hey your you know your upper body balance might be a little off and i'm like yeah you know that did feel it's a little off and then that'll that'll be something i can work on the next day or um and stuff like that and then um a lot of it has been you know really about in terms of scouting reports you know uh, there's exceptional pitchers on this team, so mm-hmm. sticking to your strengths is is a, is a big thing, mm-hmm. um, and making adjustments when you have to. Mm-hmm. Noticing those adjustments uh, is another thing. So, um, without getting into too much detail, how I'm going to be attacking every every hitter, mm-hmm. uh, it's really just sticking to your strengths and 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 uh, changing when when you have to change, not and and not you know doing it too late or or too early. Interesting. You know the way you described it sounds like a very um, an American coaching approach? I, I think they do have a more, uh, yeah, an American. I think, uh, you know, without, I don't want to say, without insulting the right. Japanese, you know, the Japanese huh. have a, a very certain way of, of right. training and uh, of, of attacking guys and, mm-hmm. and scouting reports and whatnot. Uh, I feel like this team has a pretty good mix of, of applying both you know, maybe mm-hmm. a, a more an American progressive way of baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, America's constantly evolving. It's, it's the sport. You know, mm. every year you, you hear of a new stat that that has more <laughs> weight than the previous year. Right. Um, a new, you know, new analytics, and and so this team definitely has those resources, the resources and the right. training facilities, the amenities to be able to do that, to be able to experiment with that stuff, apply it, you know, apply the things they like and throw away the things that they don't mm. while maintaining the values that they believe, you know, work. So it's a, it's a very interesting um, concoction or mm. whatever and, you want to call it. Well, then, well, I mentioned that because the Japanese, and I, and I don't want to put all coaches in the same basket because everybody's unique to some degree, but the Japanese... Um, I guess model is that the coach teaches the players what to do. You know, you should do this, you should do that. And the American model is, is as I understand it, is more of the player going to the coach and saying, what do you see? How can you help me with this? Yeah. Yeah. So I see a good mix in that. I mean, again, on this team, there's a lot of veteran pitchers as mm-hmm. well that have also pitched in the, in the state. Sure. Um, and, and have a good understanding and communicate, you know, and, uh, so if I'm a young player, even when, as a young player, when I played in Texas, I always appreciated the older players' advice. Mm. Maybe maybe just because as a young kid and talking to your coach may feel like talking to your dad and you might get better advice or, you know, be able to communicate better with a buddy than a father, right? Right. So, um, so having a veteran, you know, having some veteran pitchers like Wada, oh. um, Iwasaki, guys like them that, that – 
that are that have been pitching for a while now. Mm-hmm. Even Takeda, Takeda's young, but he's been pitching in this league ten years. Or you know, he pitches since he's eighteen. So mm. um, talking to guys like them, the young guys talking to them, I think they can get a lot out of that. And then obviously you have the coaches too. So right, uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, Wada's velocity's up a little bit um, the last year and a half, but. I'm still amazed watching this guy throw a, you know, basically throw an 89 mile an hour fast, blowing an 89 mile an hour fastball past people. Yeah, I mean that's pitching, right? I mean disguising your pitches and and making, you know, deceiving the hitters and making them believe that, mm. you know, 89 can feel like 100 sometimes. Yeah, and that, that's a, that's really a testament to how he disguises pitches and sets hitters up. Right. Okay. Well, let me ask a couple of other things. Let me ask about skills because I because I, I so remember the first time we talked at Tokyo Dome uh, what, four years ago, <laughs> and, and it was about I want to get skills, you know, and, and you know build my skill set and be a better pitcher. And what have, what is what have you become better at in Japan? I think first and foremost is my ability to stay focused longer. Oh. Um, you know. I, uh, I think it maybe happens with younger pitchers too, but mm-hmm. um, I would lose focus maybe in between pitches, in between innings or something, and then uh, you kind of, there, there goes your outing, right? Right. Here I've been able to stay locked in a little bit, and here the, mm. I think the hitters force you to stay locked in, right, because they foul it off, foul it off, foul it off, and you don't want to just groove one in there. Next thing you know, you got bases loaded or second and third. There can go your outing. And I feel like here in Japan, it, it, it they, they kill the pitcher, you know, by a hundred cuts, right? Like, yeah. By daggers. And so, uh, you have to stay locked in, you know, every single pitch. Uh-huh. I think that's the thing that, um, I, I've gotten better at. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, commanding of all my pitches, you know, my off in any count, uh-huh. uh, is something I've gotten better at more confident in throwing any pitch now in any count. I've, Throwing three zero curveballs, which mm. I've never done before as, as a younger pitcher. Right. Three um, zero change of cutters. I mean, I'm throwing them all, and I, even though there, I may still have my tendencies, but I, I still may surprise you and throw something else. Wow, that that's very cool. Uh, I've had a, I've had hitters tell me the same thing um, that the drills that they've been through in Japan really improved their ability to concentrate. In re- when they were yeah. really tired, especially when they were really fatigued, right? That, yeah, yeah. They said that actually that was the spring training, the kind of the kind of stuff that they they were laughing and shaking their head and saying, "You, you don't think I'm going to do this stuff?" And then in the end, they're and going, they "Wow, do it. it really helps." Right, it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The 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 Japanese yeah the Japanese guys and coaches and the, the maybe philosophy of of training, uh, it's almost like you're being Mr. Miyagi. You know, you don't yeah. think this is going to work. <laughs> And then next thing you know, you're like, "Holy crap! This, this I can see how this might help me." You know, I, and then I have to laugh. I have to laugh because John calls uh, Hiroya Miyagi Mr. Miyagi, <laughs> the Oryx kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, what's the you know your impression of the Hawks? So before before you went to the Hawks and after you went to the Hawks, has there been any change or a confirmation of what you already suspected? Uh, yeah, I think the confirmation has been, you know, a high level you know, expe- uh, expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, this, it's no surprise this team has won the World Series, the right. Japan Series, right. four years in a row. Yeah. So coming here, 
I knew I was like, this, they hold a very high standard here, and I, mm. uh, it's gonna almost keep a, a fire lit under my butt. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it's gonna keep me on my toes. And and um, after uh, you know coming here a weekend, you know mm-hmm. I, I was able to see that, and uh, I, I like it to be honest with you. It's very they're very sure in what direction they want to they want to go in, right. and, and what they want to do. And uh, I think for an athlete, having clarity and, and direction is 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 what gets the best out of us mm. and and get an objective a clear objective for an athlete and and he knows he can attain that goal and, and uh this team certainly does that and i have to ask what's it like to to work with uh, kai because every you know i never hear any i never hear anybody say anything negative about him so you know he puts in the work man he's he's a hard worker um he has a good understanding of what the japanese our hitters are trying to do mm-hmm. obviously from playing for a while and then he he's uh, understands our strengths the pitcher's strengths and how how to intertwine those those two together and how long did it sort of take you to to feel really at home working with him no the very first game the very wow. first game was fine i've faced him before so um i think one of my first meetings with him i was like you know my strengths you faced me before in fact you've ruined a few of my outings before because <laughs> of a late inning hit um so um, you know what I have. I know that you you do. Uh, you know I can see you do a lot of work in scouting reports and stuff. So um, I was laying out the trust. You know right away. Did he say? Uh, you know, I did he say to you? I, you know, I love that you could do this, and I was surprised you didn't do this. You didn't do throw this pitch more in these situations or something. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe, um, he was, we had talked about, you know, maybe I didn't throw any backdoor, okay. um, pitches mm-hmm. and, and I told him I can, so maybe that caught him by surprise a little bit. Uh huh. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's the only, what do you throw, only, uh, like a cutter into right-handed? Yeah, maybe like a back, yeah, backdoor cutter. Okay. Um, yeah, a, a, a backdoor two-seamer. Okay. Um. I'll even yeah. throw my change up out there too. I'm coming back. All right. Oh yeah. I guess the last one was was the one I I kind of hinted alluded to at first, which was uh, how have you how have you managed to improvise during the COVID nineteen? Because this is, as you said, things have not been as the ex- as as expected. Yeah. So last year I had a really tough time. Uh, you know, when my family left. Right. And so uh, I, I thought it was, I was going to be okay. And I think them being gone, I ran into a, a tough patch and wow. went down a slippery slope. It was just it was really hard on me. Right. This year, it's, it, it, it ain't easy, but I, I feel a little bit better prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I, coming into Japan, knowing that they weren't coming with me, mm-hmm. made me help me prepare a little bit. But um, I, I think the biggest adjustment all these all foreigners have to make or you know being so far from home without mm. their family there's a lot of us that you know i was fortunate to have my family out last year right uh for most of the season they they we, we chose you know we decided my wife and i decided to for them to go my daughter and her to go home okay and start school so it was our choice to send them home and, okay um a lot of guys weren't able to do that last year right they weren't they didn't see their family all of last year, and it's not looking too good this year. No. So I, yeah. So I think, um, you know, being out here without our families is, is really hard uh, for a lot of us, mm-hmm. especially this year. Just have, you know, being a second year. So 
Um, I mean, it, it's hard. I think, you know, the Westerners, we have, we're very family-oriented. And not, to, not to say that Japanese aren't family-oriented, but they certainly put work, you know, yeah. it's high up on the list. So Yeah, you're not expected uh, to give your family, to hold your family ahead of your company very often. Right, right. And so um, we just uh, really, we're, we're, we're knocking on that door every day. You know, not, right. uh, not just me, but all the foreigners. Right. You know, asking when when can we see our families? And, uh. um, so uh, we we understand that Japan has the Olympics on the forefront of its mind, but uh, you know we 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 want you know we want our families here, and they're not just visiting, right? They would be living here. And, sure. Um, living under the societal rules of, of COVID and all that stuff. Sure. So, uh, well, you, I think that's the biggest adjustment for us. Well, you were lucky. You were an emergency worker, basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they allowed all the the new the new the players changing changing teams to come as a like a like right. people working in disasters. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, we we were lucky. We were to, we were to come in. You know, I think we would have liked to see our families come with us. Hmm. Um, now we just got to hope they can let them in sooner rather than later. Okay. Um, and then I wanted, to, related to that, because all the, all the players have had to scramble in the off-season to deal with COVID in their, you know, in their off-season training. Did you have, I know uh, Zach Neal said, you know, he was going to scrimmages with his university, <laughs> University of Oklahoma. He was, he was going up there to yeah. Oklahoma to do, you know, to pitch against his college team. And yeah. everybody had to do things. What kind of things did you have to do different because the old ways weren't available? You know, I was able to do the old. Oh, my old, my original train. I mean, I live in Miami, and, okay. and Florida was was pretty. You know, the first oh, okay. thing that opened up. So, uh, for me, I, did, I was able to do all the normal things that I didn't okay. work out. I actually got an added benefit from the lockdown, believe Which it or was? not, in that uh, I was able to throw live batting practice oh. every week with with minor league and major league guys that weren't weren't able to go to camp right away. All right. So I was, I was, you know, I was facing. You know, major league caliber hitters wow. every week, <laughs> and then once they once they shifted off the camp, I was facing minor league guys every week, and they were just waiting to to go to camp, and they're, they're, they were delayed in, to, in in their spring training, so I had extra weeks. How did you arrange that with a with a former teammate or coach or something? Yeah, with teammates, friends. I I, I do a lot where I do my physical therapy. Oh, okay. And shoulder maintenance. There's right. a lot of other ball players there. And sure. And you know, once they found out that their spring training was going to be delayed, uh-huh. they're like, "Hey, why don't we get some live batting practice in so we can kind of right. we can go in with a head start to spring training?" And it gave me a head start as well because as soon as I got to Japan, you know, I was able to uh, hit the ground running. You did indeed. And uh, the pitcher of the month, and and well, you know, not not like other guys win it when they're not deserving, but like no no doubt about this one. Thank you, thank you. And it, it, it's got to, you know, I don't I don't mean to demean the fighters, but it's got to be nice to have a team scoring six seven runs a game behind you. Yeah, again, these guys are exciting exciting to watch, and I feel like. As a pitcher, if I can get these guys back in the dugout as quickly as possible, then they, they can get into a group themselves. All right. Okay, well, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. and. 
Yeah, no problem. And wish you good luck for your next outing. Thank you. Thanks for having uh, me. My Take pleasure. Care. Okay, thank you, Nick. Thanks for the for joining me. Thanks also for the frank uh, the frank answers and the introspection. It was uh, entertaining. <laughs> Yes, thank you very much, Nick, and uh, hopefully I'll get to talk to you soon, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> so, John, uh, what what would you like to comment on? Well, I, I first of all, I really hope the listeners enjoyed that. It was like a ride. It was an odyssey. Uh, you went from talk about strategy and grips to preparation and skills, and I, I just really liked the whole thing. So, but I first want to talk about Nick himself. He, I watched him a couple times this season, and. The first thing that popped into my mind, I remember his first year in Japan, and I said, you know, he looks, he pitches a lot like a Japanese pitcher. Mm. And then this season, he looks physically a little bit bigger to me, as in a little bit more muscle. Mm -hmm. And it looks like his velocity is a little bit up uh, on average. So that immediately caught my eye early on, and particularly in his start uh, yesterday, which was Saturday, uh, he looked really strong. And I don't know because I don't really pay attention to the velocity stuff. I don't know if he's throwing harder or not. It just seemed like he was. So I guess that'll be the question for the next time. Or I can go online maybe and look at some of his uh, stats from, from the first year. But I, I just think he, he, he looks better. And then the second thing was, this the most fascinating thing for me, is to essentially we got inside the huddle with Nick and catcher Takuya Kai. And we got to hear... You know, like I say, essentially some of the conversation. And that was real compelling for me because I heard Nick say he could throw backdoor pitches, but that Kai didn't know that. Mm. And what I guess I'm just interpreting things because, again, the the players and you you heard Nick a couple of times reference the fact, well, I can't get into the specifics because obviously he'd be giving away trade secrets and blah, blah, blah. But what I heard when he said those things was, well, I had those in my arsenal, but I wasn't allowed to throw them or I had them in my arsenal and the fighters just wanted to limit it. Whatever For whatever reason, he just didn't throw the pitches, but that mm. he could. He was able. And that started me thinking. That started, you know, we've done a lot of interviews through the years. And one of the interviews I did, I think in the off season, perhaps it was in season, was with Bobby Scales, who used to play with the fighters as mm. well. And he talked about how controlling and how... There was not a lot of freedom for decision for some of the players with the fighters. I mean, remember, he played with the fighters. And he talked about the fact that he was playing behind Darvish one time and the coaches wanted him to play deep in in the hole between first and second and and pulled him over toward first because they thought somebody was going to pull Darvish and Darvish was throwing at the time he was firing bullets he said there's no way anybody was going to pull him particularly the guys who are in the batter's box and so I remember that interview when Mm. I heard Nick say that I have backdoor pitches but uh but Kai didn't know that and so uh it just just got me thinking about mm. how much control that these coaches have, you know, over what they want and the pitching plan. And, you know, you talk about, we, we always hear the catchers and pitchers uh, have a love fest on the, on the hero during the hero interviews. Well, the, you know, so-and-so called a really good game and blah, blah, blah. And then the catchers say, well, so-and-so delivered the ball where I wanted it or pitched mm-hmm. a really good game or whatever it is. And, and to me, you know, now I hear this and it's like, I'm, what I'm hearing is the, 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 co- the coaches are 
telling us all what to do in every situation. And it's not this, that, and the other, it's the coaches. Basically what I'm hearing is the coaches are controlling everything. You know, there's not so much of the catcher and the pitcher and all these other things. We have to think about what the coaches do preseason, spring. Let's not throw these pitches. Let's throw these pitches and then let's game plan from there. So, yeah, I I would like to talk to Nick again one day and and Mm. get more about that stuff because I thought that was that was really interesting. And then the penultimate topic, I think, was uh, something I touched on earlier this year, and that's the players are here without their families, most of them. Mm. And I've been been actually working on a story for about, (laughs) let's say, six weeks plus to uh, to to get this message out that these players are really working hard and doing things to try to get their families here. And it's scheduled to run Wednesday. Wow. So, so look out for that. Uh, I'll tweet a link out when it comes, but you know, I touched on these issues earlier this season. I think the first time it came to light to me was when Leonis Martin, who I did get to speak to for this interview. So that was, that was good. He mentioned it in a tweet, and I retweeted mm. and, and talked about it. And since then, I've talked to some other some other guys. So it's a big deal for these guys. And I, I actually think when Nick was talking, that he kind of got emotional about it mm. a little bit. But I couldn't I couldn't tell. I mean, you know, we weren't the recording isn't that crystal clear. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's, I'm not saying it's bad at all. Uh, it's really good. But I, I I just couldn't I couldn't tell. But it sounded like there's a little bit of emotion in his voice and. Uh, some of the interviews I did, some of the guys were pretty I was probably me tearing it. up. <laughs> Again, Jim, come on, man. <laughs> I can't. I'm a sucker for crying in movies and stuff. Now, uh, well, you know, you could hear it. And I was actually kind of stunned because when he said, I came here and I, he was led, and I don't know who led him to believe this, his agent or somebody who shouldn't have said it, your family will be able to follow later. Well, I think, yeah, I think a lot of teams thought that probably in the, in the winter. Yeah. Now I can't say if it was before the year was up last year or whether it was in January, but I think a lot of teams wondered about that. And what I found with, with um, even just talking to Brandon Laird when we did earlier in the season, some of it was dumb luck. Some of it was good planning, but it just varied from organization mm-hmm. to organization like a lot of things do. Yep. And that's just the way it was. And I don't think everyone thought that we'd still be in this situation and everybody looked forward to having the Olympics and that it was going to go off without a hitch and blah, blah, blah. So I, yep. I don't think we could. No, I, no I understand that. Okay. Yeah. That, hey, what about you now? Oh, well, a few things. One was I remember your interview with him couple of years ago in which he talked Mm -hmm. about pitch design. And so as soon as he said, I was experimenting with a lot of stuff, you know, last year he was hurt, but he was Mm -hmm. also experimenting and some of the experiments didn't work out. Right. And somebody said something on the internet that I responded to and it actually got a lot of mileage was that uh, Bill James was saying he thinks the cutter is now a huge influence in pitching in the major leagues. And I think that's right. I think the, the two things are happening. One is the cutter, if, if this, of course, is a new pitch. But the other one is the different um, sticky stuff they're putting on pitches and also the different uh, science that's going into pitches. Mm-hmm. And the, by the science, I mean the, um, the measurement and the feedback, you know, which, which grip is working, which uh, 
you know which delivery is giving me the best spin mm -hmm. so the quantifiable result the quantifiable feedback to pitchers working on new pitches has re re has resulted even without the sticky stuff in better spin on on pitches and i think with the more the combination of the cutter and more uh vertical well i should say less vertical drop in the fastball because of this increased spin has has really made a huge difference and that made me think about nick martinez and i think what's happened here is a with him is a confluence of a few things one playing for a team with a really good offense mm -hmm. two of course the moment you said that you know the offense went to yeah well okay <laughs> yeah it happened. it happened i know it was so funny <laughs> i mean they scored or nine, they scored nine runs the first game he played which was the most that any team had ever scored for him in three years so uh but also the experimentation and so those two things i think were were sort of you know he was in a in a period where he could benefit now he could benefit from the failed experiments of 2019 or 2020 he could benefit from being healthy the other thing that was interesting to me was his was talking about the coaches and now mm -hmm. this is the adjunct to what you were talking about the coaches being controlling and i had um Nippon Ham certainly has a organizational philosophy and sometimes that can be you know the manager sometimes carries that over to i'm gonna you know the the team decides how things are going to be done in certain ways mm -hmm. and i think the manager decides how things are going to be in certain ways we've heard that in respect to the repeated conflicts between uh hideki kuriyama and his twice his pitching coach who quit <laughs> twice masato yoshi Right. Uh, so we hear that. So none of that would surprise me. But I guess my my interest was mostly that since I've been going back to the States in spring training and talking to the former NPB guys who are now MLB coaches, mm -hmm. I've learned a lot about coaching and the different approach. Japan is, is much the, the traditional approach in Japan is that the coaches teach you what to do. Mm -hmm. And the traditional, the the current sort of humanistic approach in in MLB is the coaches give you feedback when and how you want it. So you right. go to the coach and they inform you about how they see things. As as you've also you've also covered this in uh, some stories, I think with Alonzo Powell. So that with the Hawks was a little bit of a difference where the Hawks are a little bit more of a player driven. Right. I don't want to say they're completely player driven because they'd probably get kicked. You know, the coaches would probably get kicked out of the NPB coaches union. Right. But, right. Uh, but, As you said before, I'm not coming over here to tell you how to hit. I'm just over here talking here to, yeah, to make exactly. it look like I'm coaching. Yes, exactly. So, uh, and, and the last thing I want to say about that is I appreciate that because there's, one of the things you hear when you when people have been watching Japanese baseball for a year or two or three, mm -hmm. all the teams are the same. All the managers are the same. You know, and the more you watch it, the more you realize, of course, that's ridiculous. And I was 
thinking about another team that had a, a similar kind of unique coaching style, and that was Hiromitsu Uchiha's Dragons. Mm-hmm. And the point I would make about them was the coaches l- love to, to coach for Uchiha uh, because he challenged them to find new and inventive ways for the players to teach themselves. Mm. in spring training for you know do different things do different things all the time get the players to to drive it you know that was that was a big thing with him i don't think he always succeeded but if you watched uh i've said this before if you watched a dragon's practices then you know uh 10 10 13 years ago it was it it was noticeably different from watching other teams practice the speed and the intensity was really different. And I think with the Hawks, there's a little bit of that. Um, I've also heard with the Hawks that it's also very high pressure. And with OGI's coaches, they often didn't, with a few exceptions, they didn't stick around a long time. I think it, it could be very trying. It was mm-hmm. very intense. And with the Hawks also have a reputation for burning out coaches pretty, uh, pretty quickly. So that, yep. that uh, caught my attention. Yeah, that uh, I mean that that whole ph- philosophical approach and and mm-hmm. what the coaches do. I think we heard from Bobby Valentine as well, mm-hmm. who said uh, you, you got to be able to let your players fail and then uh, use those teaching moments to get them to uh, change something, whether it's approach mm. or process or something. And so that yeah, was, we, that we, was that that hmm you heard. I I. I I started doing that after talking to Bobby Valentine for too many years. That was one of his vocal <laughs> I see, yeah. Now that you say that, yes, I have really have heard that many times from Bobby. Yes, you are correct, sir. So, yeah, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I, I mean, um, we know that there are different approaches uh, and that's part of it. And we've talked to so many players and hopefully the listeners who have been with us for almost 10 years, maybe most of them. Uh, who have been around, this is uh, year 11, right? Is it year 11? It is year 11. Uh, know that you know they're, they're more informed because we've heard these interviews through the years about players getting advice or talking to coaches or uh, players saying, well, uh, players like Brandon Dixon of the Oryx Buffaloes or formerly of the Oryx Buffaloes who said, you know, I started listening to my pitching coach and things started working out, you know, mm. <laughs> until then I wasn't listening to him. So, I mean, you know, there's there's so much. There's so much. So, yeah, it was good. Good talk. I uh, really enjoyed the, the interview. And, well, thank you. Um, it was really, really good stuff. All right. Uh, making a seamless transition, we will talk about Interleague and – so, yeah, the Central League had a chance to win this thing for the first time in ages, or, or when was it? 2009. Uh, oh, no, I'm talking about the, uh, a, a Central League team. They still, the, the Central League, as we sit here and record tonight, they still have a chance. Um, they still have a chance to win the overall battle, but I'm talking about a Central League team uh. being able to win. Central League and I, uh, I'm sorry, interleague play, and I think that was the well. It's only been the Giants. They've I think done they've it done twice. it twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've done it twice. Instead, the so, Oryx Buffaloes have tied the Giants. <laughs> right. Yeah. Instead, uh, the Dragons. You know, they 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 had a good start, and I think part of that was they started at home, but they had to finish on the road, and they didn't do so well on the road. They lost two out of three at the. Rockton Eagles, and they lost two out of three at the Sable Lions. So that kind of took them out of uh, 
still running. Basically, when they lost two out of three in Rocks 10, yeah, I thought they well, didn't have a chance to win because they were going to have to do I some was, magic. I was surprised because the last uh, 36 games were played in Pacific League parks. Mm-hmm. And the Central League basically played them to a draw. Yeah, they definitely played. <laughs> you know, they played. I, I, I don't, don't want to say they the overachieved road. or anything because no. we don't know. Every year is different. No, but, but but you're but they playing were, they, they on the good. road. And if you win yeah. half your games on the road, you're doing pretty well. You're doing pretty well. Yeah. So, yeah, they, 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 the Buffaloes, they kind of were middle of the pack um, for a little while. And then they started moving up. And now they've won, what, six in a row? Yep. And uh, they wrapped up their second interleague title ever and their first in 11 years and uh they did that yesterday everything fell into place they won their game and then everybody who needed to lose or tie lost or there, there was one tie but i don't know that that one impacted their game and they won and I, i'm real happy i'm happy for the, the buffaloes who have made this run they uh have a 12 and 5 record was it in i didn't count the ties uh 12 5 and 1 they went in interleague play so that's really good but the thing that I'm happy about, I don't know if it's, you know, impressive or not, the top five, uh, four of the top five teams are from the Central League. So that tells you that the Central League did well, but it also tells you that they're really close to being, to winning the session. They just missed out on a couple games here and there. And that that kind of, you know, I, I, I as Jim and I were talking off mic before we started recording, the Yakult Swallows sweeping the SoftBank Hawks is somewhat impressive, but also the Hawks are so decimated by injuries and have so many players out there we're not used to seeing that that's not really the Hawks as we know them, but still an impressive run by, I, I thought it was still good work by Yalko. The, the games were close except for today. They, the Swallows had a big lead. They hit a bunch of home runs. You know, no matter what's going on in your lineup, if your pitchers are giving up home runs, that has nothing to do with, you know, a lineup issue. Uh, that that's a pitching issue. So, and they actually had some of their top pitchers. They had Siochiwada throwing today. He has really done well this season. And yeah, the Swallows won that Lost the Ishikawa Ishikawa matchup. Yeah, that was that was the most probably the most amazing one nothing, and the little float balls here and there, and the the Hawks were not patient enough to. Wait for those things to get to the plate. They just kept swinging and swinging and missing and missing. But another impressive performance uh, from, from the Swallows. So I, I'll give him credit. Yoshinobu Yamamoto of the Oryx Buffaloes. Like he won three games in interleague. So I'm. Uh, I don't know if they give <laughs> the interleague prize or somebody gets an MVP. I didn't. I'm looking for stories, but I didn't really see. They any. do. Yeah, they're going to get a somebody, and they have to choose somebody on the Buffaloes, and they have to choose somebody from a Pacific League team. Yeah, I, I'm assuming it's, it's going to be. It's the typical, here. just kind of you know, kind of stupid awards. Let's be fair, you know, participation awards. Yeah, whatever. Give an MVP award to the losing team. You know, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, he did win three starts. I guess he had three starts. He won them. So um, that 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 was impressive. Almost throwing. He was a seven. He was a perfect game for seven innings, and then in the eighth inning uh, gave up a hit to Seiya Suzuki, and then another hit, and then he struck out the last three guys he faced in the eighth, and then that was it. So uh, a gem there. Uh, so the Buffaloes, I, I, I'm happy for them. Uh, they struggled to win their game today. Uh, the Carp. Um, 
<laughs> the carp. <laughs> the carp have three no, Mickey games. Let's say it without laughing now. Come on. Well, they've been traditionally bad in interleague play, and right now they they have three games left on the schedule that they have to make up. And uh, essentially, there's a two game lead for the Central League overall. So the you know for the first time since 2009 was it? I think the 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 last time that the Central League uh, had the best overall record uh, and. If the Carp can win, they've got two against the Lions and one against the Fighters. And all they got to do is not lose all three, <laughs> somehow, even a tie. If they get a tie, then then the Central League could tie. And if they win a game, that would lock it up. That would lock it up for the, uh, for the Central League and have the best overall record against the Pacific League for the first time since 2009. Now, the last time a Central League team won... The session was uh, 2014 when the Giants did it, and they also did it in, t- in 2012. So, uh, unfortunately, that won't happen for the Central League this year. So, uh, the hopes of the Central League for the overall record lie with the Carp. So, God, God have mercy on the Central League soul. <laughs> Although for <laughs> they can the, do it, though. Although for they the, can do it. Yeah, they can possible. win a game. No, it's very possible, and I, I, I think it's likely that the Carp will win one game, at least. And uh, it is, however, unlikely that uh, I think we can just say also that for the 15th time in 16 interleague seasons, the Pacific League will outscore the Central League. (laughs) And I also want to know is how did you know that the Carp are the worst interleague team in history? Did you actually know uh, that? uh, Yeah, there's a uh, there's a. Uh, there's a site that has every finish every year of every team. And okay. every year before we do the preview, I look at that site and I remember that the Bay Stars and the Carp have traditionally struggled and, and their teams have been in the bottom half of interleague play. So the, essentially the bottom the, six the Carp, more often than not. The Carp's winning, per- the difference in the winning percentage there since interleague play began in 2005, before this year. I don't have this year's. But since interleague play began in 2005, the Carp had a 504 winning percentage against Central League teams and a 436 winning percentage against Pacific League teams. So that 0, uh, 0.068 gap is the biggest in NPB. Mm. Uh, num- number two is the Hanshin Tigers. Okay. <laughs> number three is the Bay Stars. Number four, yeah. four is the Yomiuri Giants. Number five, Cebu Lions, bringing up the tail end of the Pacific League teams. Uh, number one, of course, is the SoftBank Hawks, who've played 560 ball over that time against the Pacific League and 629 against the Central League. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking at the chart here. Yeah, I mean, you're throwing out numbers. I can throw out a bunch of numbers. They, they are just oh. traditionally bad, okay? Yeah, well, they finish either 11th or 12th most of the time, and the Bay Stars are even worse. Yeah. They have been. So I was yeah. glad to see those those teams, the, the Dragons, because the Dragons are basically middle-of-the-pack guys. They don't hurt anybody. They don't they don't get hurt by anybody. To get them, um, have them lead, I thought that was that was fun for that team. Oh, yeah. I didn't think they, they really wanted to win, though, because they didn't. <laughs> I mean, they threw Yuichi Okano on uh, on Saturday, so that, that told me, well, <laughs> I think they're – considering trying to win the championship here. I told you before that the Swallows were the most successful Central League interleague team. You did? 
because yep. I don't believe because that. They have, they've means. always had the they've always had the best record compared. They've always had the the best record compared to how they play in the Central League. I mean, it, when they shifted oh, to the league, compared, they, they did better okay. than every any other, and that that is true. But the team right behind them is the Dragons. The Dragons essentially have played only slightly worse in interleague than they have in the Central League. But that's partly because, you know, both those teams played really badly in the Central League. I guess you can only go so far. Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, the chart I'm looking at tells you how many times the team finished with a losing record in interleague ah. play. And Yakult has like 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11. And the Dragons have only finished with a losing record like six times. Yeah, well. Or seven times. So, but the Dragons have been also a much better team. Again, have been a little better team in the Central League in those years. I mean, they were a championship. Right. It, so that's. I mean, it just depends on what yeah. you're looking at. I'm looking at strictly at where they finish in in interleague play, yeah. not comparing well, it that's to like, where they. That's like that's that's. I mean, more, just, it's just a different angle. Yeah, yeah, but that's also more or less saying which is the good team, <laughs> which is the better team. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you a little quiz here. Which are the after the Hawks, who are the best two teams who, when they went into interleague, ate up the the other league like they couldn't beat the other teams in their own league? Uh, the Fighters and the Buffaloes. A close. The Marines and the Buffaloes. Okay. Fighters were four. <laughs> okay. But anyway, enough of that silly exercise. Okay, well, it was fun while it lasted, but uh, so we'll see. I, I, I don't, you know, the good thing for the Central League is the Carp are playing at home for all three of these games, so uh, hopefully they can manage to get one of them. So uh, hmm. that'll be fun to watch and, yeah. and celebrate. Yeah, congratulations to them. I'm, I'm not quite buying all the announcers popping champagne corks this weekend. Yeah, the Central League's back, baby. <laughs> there was a <laughs> lot. There was a lot of excitement. <laughs> Going Miami Dolphins on people, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, settle told down you, there. Skippy. Told you we weren't as bad as everybody said we were. <laughs> we're only half that bad. All right, uh, <laughs> making a four seam transition. Let's talk about the rookies, the top rookies so far. And for me, uh, we're going to start in the Pacific League because we had a Pacific League player on, and that was Nick Martinez. Okay. So uh, for me, I, I still like love. Gakuto Wakabayashi, we know that he blew out his knee or tore up his knee, and he's going to be out for the season, but I'm going to leave him at the top of my list until the end of this month because he was just so in, such an impressive guy. Um, and then after that, it's, it's, it's three guys, but they're really close, and I don't know, I don't know how to give separation. Um, Hiroya Miyagi of Oryx. Uh, you've got Takahisa, uh, he's a pitcher, lefty pitcher, another lefty pitcher, Takahisa Hayakawa of Rock 10. And then uh, Kotaro Kurebayashi of Oryx. Um, those are the three guys for me. And uh, I guess Kurebayashi is probably outside of the other two, even though he's the, the position player, because the other two have just been so impressive. Right. But who do you have? Well, first of all, yeah, if Gakuto Wakabayashi plays like the whole season, yeah, if he could have been kept his pace, yeah, sure, then then absolutely, but he won't. So, well, I know, yeah, I know. As I've just said for the end of the month, I'm paying my respects. <laughs> he was having a great season, man. Okay. I hate seeing good players and uh, really good up and coming players uh, get injured like that. If, well, if sure. they don't, 
if they don't play well or something happens and people figure them out, that's one thing. But if they get it robbed and stolen away from them because of injury, I just, I really, so I'm in mourning for him. So yeah, he's okay. still at the top for me. Okay. Right? We'll let the chip, you know, <laughs> the chaplain will punch your ticket on the way out. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, I think it's, it's really, yeah, up to Takahisa Hayakawa and Hiroya Miyagi. I'm going to, my, my, if I guess, if, I, I couldn't tell you. I like Miyagi better because he's just more fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're more fun. Come over here. That's he more fun. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. Sorry about Even that. Even with the haircut, yeah. Yeah, well, that's part of it, too. You see this buzz cut, yeah? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Right, the buzz right. cut. He, you know, he didn't look that much younger. You know, you guys cut their hair like that. You figured they might look a little bit younger. He didn't look that much younger. He, but he finally looked closer to his age. But I wouldn't say... You know, by much, yeah. right? But Mia uh, Hayakawa is such a Hayakawa is such a businesslike looking guy, mm. and I just I suspect he'll probably just because of his experience, he'll probably weather the second half of the season better, and probably mm-hmm. his physical. You know, he looks a little bigger and stronger. But but I love both those guys. Yeah, I think. I, I would pick Miyagi right now because I would take in his his team as part of the formula because he doesn't have as good a defensive players behind him. Uh, he might have a better offense, but he probably doesn't have as good a bullpen. And he, he hasn't needed the bullpen, to be honest, because he's pretty much gone deep in most of his games. But uh, – to, to actually come out with the wins because he's, he's he's always going to have trouble with the wins, in my opinion, because, A, his team is not going to do as well mm-hmm. as as the first-place team, essentially. And then, you know, you don't have the great bullpen. Uh, you don't have the great closer in that on that team. In fact, I think the closer where they've changed, they've had three closers already uh, or guys trying to close out games already this season. So... Whereas with the Eagles, we know it's it's a proven guy and he's pretty steady. So the wins in in terms of that, I I don't know that he's going to come out. And and again, the wins don't really factor in too much for me. It's the Japanese press we're talking about. And they only go, I remember talking to one guy before and saying someone was out pitching everybody else in the league. And he said, yeah, that guy's not going to win. He doesn't, uh, he's not going to win rookie of the year. He doesn't have enough wins. And I'm like, well, he plays on a, team that's not going to win i mean he can pitch shut out ball you know (laughs) yeah and i'm like that doesn't have anything to do with anything but that's the way the japanese press go about voting so that's what i'm talking about but for me it's it's miyagi he 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 seems to be a a better pitcher in terms of the outcomes and and well i certainly think that you know he has more he has a little more upside because he's well heck he's Three years younger. Younger, yeah, he's younger. But this that, to me, that's also irrelevant. Whether he's three years younger or not is sure, sure, is sure. irrelevant. It's uh, to me, it only matters is who has you know who has the best. The better, season. yeah. I don't worry about oh, what's this guy's potential or any of that. I don't care. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I I think one of those two guys, either one, you know, provided you know, we'll see who's standing at the end of the season. Is pretty much sure. I, I do like the star power aspect, so I do kind of want to look at a guy if they're really close and I can't decide I want to look at a guy and say well that guy's going to be a bigger star maybe oh. I'll I'll give him my nod but I mean in this case like Miyagi has a an ERA that's almost a full run better 
I mean, it's, it's <laughs> practice. It's for all intents and purposes at the moment, it's a full run better. So I'm, I'm going to go with him okay. and uh, it's his to lose, but he's got to win games for the Japanese press to catch up. And right now he, he's six and one, which is not bad. Hayakawa is seven and two. So they only count number of wins people. They don't care about, at least in the past up to now, they haven't cared much about winning percentage. So we'll see how that goes. But if he wins, you know, if he's in the battle with the ERA title with his teammate, as he is right now, uh, Yamamoto, and he is, uh, close enough and wins, maybe he'll get the nod. Yeah, well, I mean, the number one rule is that you're a regular contributor. And then after that, it's, you know, it's a wait and see. Okay. All right, well, let's not wait and see what exactly. we have in the Central League. And in the Central League, they're pretty much, for me, three guys. Hmm. Uh, Shu Gomaki of the Yokohama Bay Stars, Teruaki Sato of the Hanshin Tigers, and Noji Kuribayashi of the Hiroshima Carp, the stopper for that team, who gave up a run for the first time this season today in his 23rd outing. Um, and I saw some talk on the Reddit site, which I'm sure you don't peek at. But, I don't uh, and, and they said, well, it's, it's, it's Sato and it's Maki and it's no one else. And I thought, that's odd because for me, I, I look at it this way. The, the Carp went into this season with a lot of question marks, including uh, what they were going to do with their bullpen, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. Mm. And they handed the reins over to a rookie. Now, he's an older rookie, but they handed over the reins to this rookie. And he has been out there uh, closing games and not giving up runs. And uh, while he doesn't play every day, that's a high-leverage, high-pressure situation. So I thought, well... If these other rookies, if they even if they didn't do well, they were going to play. Okay, they were going to get their at bats. They were going to someone was going to say, okay, well let let's let Maki play and and mm. see how, see what he could do for at least two two months or so. If Kuribayashi went out there and was only saving every other game, he would have been gone. So he had a lot of responsibility, and for me, that's why I'm putting him at the top. Well, now, I'm he not saying he would have been. Pitching in the sixth inning instead of the ninth. <laughs> true, that's true, but uh, he might not. <laughs> I don't know if he's only saving every other game. He probably would have sent him down to the farm, you know, if he's because that means he's giving up runs every other game. So you can you can't no. really give up the runs in the sixth no. or seventh inning no. either. That's but, not a, that's not a solution. Yeah, but if if he was ordinary, you know, they would find other things for him to do. So, yeah. Probably, but I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, because because they had so many question marks in the bullpen that they probably would have found. I mean, if he was on a better team, well, yeah, and we don't have to talk about it because he has been great. Hmm. So he's my top guy, and then I, you know, I, I want to put Sato there because I do like what he's doing with the home runs, but I just love what Maki is doing. They put him in different positions, they have him batting in different uh, spots in the lineup, and he's just been really consistent. Hasn't been great hasn't been terrible anytime he just he's just really consistent but uh i do i do like the sexiness of the sato home run so i'm gonna have to put him second but i really like what maki's doing so it's a really close second well, i've got the, sato first because i think if i, I know if I, I knew you would i somehow i knew you, you, knew you would, I would. You like this the no home well runs. because i like i like position players guys who play it's not that i i dis i'm not i'm not uh, dismissing relief pitchers or even starting pitchers, although to some degree my 
evaluation system. My my view of baseball is that the way they're used, it's really hard for them to keep up. But yeah, Maki has more defensive value mm-hmm. because he can well because he can play second. Although Sato can play third, but still, I'd rather have a guy who's halfway decent at second to a guy who's halfway decent at third. But uh, Santos is just a, he's a much better hitter. I mean, overall, even with all his, with all his flaws and he has, he has several, he's still a better hitter. He's still a more productive hitter. And I think he's going to be the big guy at the end of the season. But again, we don't know where, uh, I don't remember if any of you remember, there was a season, maybe 1985 or something in the American league. And there are two American league rookies, Jose Canseco and Wally Joyner. And they basically decided that the rookie of the year was going to be one of these two guys in like May because they just had these tremendous first halves. They both had terrible second halves and it ended up that, but they decided, I think it was Wally Joyner one rookie of the year, but they decided based on basically what he did through June, they made up their mind and somebody else came along and had a better season. I don't remember who it was, Alfredo Griffin or somebody. But, <laughs> but the point is, you just don't know what's going to happen. So I, my my money would be on Sato, but of course the other guy, I, the other guy I really love. Two other guys I really love is Takuma Nakano. I mean, he's not really a rookie. Yeah, you know, this yeah, is a guy who dark horse. Yeah. this is a guy who would be the rookie of the year in a normal year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, he's on my dark horse list. He was on the list. I just and dropped another him guy down. I love is Masashi Saito. Uh, Sato. Excuse me, Masashi Ito of the Tigers. They've got three rookies. The lefty pitcher, yeah. The lefty pitcher. You know, and he pitched the other day against uh, Masahiro Tanaka, which we'll talk about briefly. And uh, he was just remarkably good. I mean, he's he he actually, he and and, uh, Takahisa Hayakawa are, they're almost like brothers to me. I mean, they're built, (laughs) Ito's built a little, he's a little slighter, but they both have that same, like, don't give me any lip kind of look they both look really deadly serious they're both um yeah they're, they're both at really athletic looking i love watching those guys pitch yeah i i think you know at the end of the season it's going to be sato he's he's think- a sexy player he's got the home runs he's uh driving in runs he's his team is winning i would be but- surprised if they're not going to pick him I, I i would be surprised if most of the reporters won't pick him based on what he's done through the beginning of interleague. Yeah. Three home runs. Oh, okay. But I, I, you know, I, I've got Kudibayashi up there because I, I, you know, uh, until today, the guy had been perfect essentially by not blowing anything and not giving up. I'll tell you, he's, he's really, he's the future. He's the Oryx future. No, no. Kudi. Huh? What oh, do you mean? Oh, I thought you were talking about not Kure. Kure Bayashi. Oh, you're talking about Kure Bayashi, not Kure Bayashi. Not Kure. Kure. Okay. Kotaro Kure Bayashi is, is sort of the Oryx future and that he's a, a strong, uh, a powerful, you know, the powerful build. You see all these young guys coming up with Oryx. Man, you know, he's a good looking player, man. Yeah, he's not he's not hitting for average not, that much right now, yeah, but, but he, he's a first year player, so you don't really know. And he's still nineteen. And, <laughs> he's I gonna mean, be really good. It's so fun because I'll tell you one thing I enjoyed about Oryx is Shuhei Fukuda, who was their second baseman, and is like the smallest player in NPB. 
I mean, he was sort of the Oryx prototype from five years ago. The little Mm -hmm. tiny guy who could play every middle infield position kind of sort of okay. Him and Kojiro, uh, Koji Oshiro. Oshiro and and Mune as well. Yeah. Yuma Mune was one of those guys. So, well, he's in center field now. And the guys and Kuribashi's taken, pushed... uh, Yoichi Adachi out of the shortstop job, thank goodness. Right. As much right. as I, I like him physically, he's just not he's just not up to it. So right. anyway, but he's this guy, is this he's 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 a slightly smaller version of Shugomaki, but he's that same guy. He's, he's, he looks like he's he can really drive the ball. So I, I just really like that. So I like that Oryx is changing and he's sort of the face of that. I mean, what is he hitting a one sixty or something, but but he's got uh, just love who's that? Kurebashi, No, no, he was hitting in, in the low two hundreds. He, 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 I mean, okay, he was. Like, I don't know where he is okay. now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. but uh, he, he's fine. He, I mean, he's not gonna. He, he's not tearing it up right now, but he can still have a really good second half. And like I say, he's nineteen, and they're running him out there. So I, I anticipate he'll get better. But we've got to move along. Uh, let's make a two seam transition and talk about Masahiro Tanaka and his latest outing and uh, served up a. Another pair of home runs. I'm getting concerned about this. Uh, he threw seven innings, allowed three runs, five hits, two walks, struck out five. No hit batters, but he took the loss on Saturday against the uh, Hanshin Tigers. Gave up one of those home runs to Sato. So he's two and four. He's a loser. <laughs> this is not good. This is not the way it was supposed to be. We didn't sign up for this. No, we did not. But I'll tell you, I, as as I wrote during the week, I think yeah, I think his his fastball is still not where it needs to be. <laughs> and the fastball that, that got uh, Saturday was an interesting game because he was the first, you know, the first time through the lineup. He was absolutely devastating. It was bam, 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 bam. Oh, they hit a couple of balls almost. You know, he, he, he got one out that was close. But he was, there was nothing. And then Jeffrey Marte, tremendous at bat by Je- Jeffrey Marte with the help of a really bad call by the umpire. That, that should have been strike three. Yeah, this was this was a, not a good weekend for the umps, especially the home plate umps, but go ahead. Anyway, so... Basically, 2-2 two, two, two pitch, should have been strike three, it goes 2-3, and then Tanaka misses, and then he throws one good pitch, and then he throws one really horrible fastball, as he's been prone to do. I shouldn't say, it's not like he's given up home runs all the time, but it's this fastball in the middle that's straight, and Oyama didn't even have to really work hard, Yusuke Oyama didn't have to work hard to hit it out to the opposite field. It just... just Grooved right onto the barrel of the bat. The other one, the other. Yeah, you, now you say that, and, I, and remember, I, I, Oyama for me is a guy who sits on pitches and usually kind of loads up. And for me, on that pitch, it just seemed like he ran into it more than it was a bad pitch. And you could see after the pitch, Malkin was muttering on the mound. And for me, I would have been saying the same thing. How could you know he he's not sitting on that? pitch a high outside fastball to no. take to, to right field he just he never hits those so what happened here you know what went wrong for me what happens <laughs> is his pitch his his fastball isn't getting the backspin it needs to get 
It's yeah, straight. Yeah. I, I think yeah, he ran into a pitch more he's than, not than getting, it was a bad Well, he's pitch, not yeah. getting good spin on the pitches. He should be missing bats with his fastballs up at, up at that level, and he's not. So that's why we haven't seen Masaru Tanaka's fastball very much because they've been pretty lame. And mm. uh, lame for him, not lame for other people. But he gets, you know, he knows what he's doing. He gets by with what he's got. So he looked pretty good and he bounced back from that really well. The pitch that Sato hit for home on was just, well, just tip your hat to Sato. Yeah. It was down and in a slider. I think. Yeah, slider in just... on the hands and he just stayed in on that thing and turned on it. And bam. Yeah. Well, that Golfed was good out. So yeah, yeah good yeah. job on that one. So yeah, I, I wasn't just, I didn't, it, you know, it wasn't a, it was a, actually for all that happened, it wasn't a bad outing is, you know, he's had a lot of bad timing and he has had a lot of poor run support. So, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah and it finished, they got, they allowed th- six runs in the ninth inning. So it was a nine, one loss and it looks really bad on the paper, but it was really a three, one loss for Tanaka. So, but then we had uh, Roki Sasaki on Thursday night, he pitched at home and he threw his best game, six innings, a run, Four hits, two walks, five Ks. And I actually didn't get to see much of this game, but I did notice that he just looked better. And he threw his fastest pitch gun-wise, uh, 155 kilometers per hour on the gun. And the only run he allowed was a home run to Munetake Murakami. But who hasn't done that this week? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we all, like everybody yeah, who pitched, I have. <laughs> <laughs> everybody who pitched to him, it seemed like somebody gave up. A, a long fly ball, or B, a home run. So uh, no no, no foul, no harm, no foul there. He looked really good. I was happy to see what I saw of him in that, that particular game and hoping to see more. And he certainly deserved a win in that game as much as he didn't deserve, deserve, deserve a win in his first win. But um, you win some, you lose some as a pitcher like that. So no, but uh, yeah, he's looking more and more comfortable. Secondary pitches are looking occasionally very, very crisp. So yeah. Good job. All right. A uh, couple notes. One, uh, Kaima Taira breaks the record for scoreless innings to start a season. <laughs> uh, he threw his 32nd consecutive scoreless appearance today against the Dragons. Breaking the record stay, of? Breaking the record of Shinji Tajima. Oh, coincidentally, a Chunichi Dragon, because they played the Dragons today and beat him 4-3. to three. And, and Who had a nice comment after the game. Which was? Well, to be fair... My record ain't no record. The real record is Kyuji Fujikawa's record for consecutive scoreless games, and that's the one I hope he can break. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So I I read a story about him this week. We had one in the Yomiuri Shimbun, and I was reading about how he really came into the season focusing his attention on his secondary pitches because he could throw his hard stuff and get guys out. But, you know, he, he wanted to be more of a pitcher and not just a thrower. And everybody likes the wipeout slider, but he's trying to get a wipeout pitch on every pitch and make them all difficult to hit. And he just is. He's just difficult to hit. And we already talked about the fact that uh, Kuribayashi gave up a run. So those were the two guys with uh, the zero ERAs in the the back of bullpens or the backs of bullpens. Kaima being, both of these guys actually (laughs) being now closer roles, but Kaima was more of a setup guy, but he has moved into the closer role with... uh, injuries and what have you so um good luck to him we'll see how far he can stretch that uh we also got news we actually had been getting this news for the past 10 days would you say shun yamaguchi mm-hmm. coming back to npb and looks like he's going to join or he has joined the yomiuri giants and 
just another piece of uh, on an exceptionally deep roster. So I don't know that this makes a lot of impact. He would make more impact on a, you know, if he came back to a different team. But uh, this team, I don't really see where it has room for him at the moment. But guys get hurt. They've got some veteran guys. They could end up hurt. Tomoyuki Sagano left his start after what was it, three innings today? He didn't look too that thirds, great. I think. Two and two thirds. Okay, so in the third inning today, uh, it just uh, I don't know. You, it's it's good to have depth, and they will have depth. He's just gonna have to work his way up the ladder and back into good standing with the Giants. And I don't know if that's gonna be as a starter. It could be as a reliever. I liked him as a starter. Obviously, he had more success there. But the uh, Giants have uh, added more talent. What's new? Indeed. All right, let's go to fielding questions. <laughs> So we got an email from Paul in Calgary, and he said, with Shun Yamaguchi on the way back to Japan and probably Yoshitomo Tsutsugo. <laughs> That's nice. I thought so, too. I, I, thought, I think it's a matter of time, Paul. You're right. Uh, he says, it had me wondering where this type of player signs. It seems the majority go back to their original teams, such as Masahiro Tanaka, Norichika Aoki, Hiroki Kuroda, Koji Uehara, Kyuji Fujigawa. Of course, there are exceptions such as Kosuke Fukudome and Kenji Jojima. Is there any contractual right that the teams retain on these players, or is there a gentleman's agreement to give the former teams the first option? Or am I overthinking it and it's all about the players going where they are most comfortable? Thanks for the podcast. Always makes me look forward to the day when I can travel freely to Japan again. All right. Question. Yeah. Awesome question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, the answer is that they have to ask me first. (laughs) I don't think anybody's asking you anything about their careers, but all right. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, barring that. Nice pitch. I'm going to call it a ball, though. Hashtag high heat. <laughs> Barring that, they just go over it wherever the heck they want. Um, the only exception is that players who retire. Uh, so Hideo Nomo. <laughs> uh, yes. So if Hideo Nomo uh, were to want to play in NPB, he would have to go play for the Oryx Buffaloes because they currently hold his rights. Okay. Because he left Japan as a retired player. No, but uh, but that's it. No, so oh. otherwise everybody else becomes a free agent the minute they walk out the door. And do you think there is a part of this comfortability or this this going back to a place where they this loyalty that might be out there? That's depends on the individual. I think uh, Tsuyoshi Nishioka wanted to go. You know, he's from Osaka, so he wanted to go play for the Tigers, and I don't know why. Uh, Joe, like Kenji Jojima wanted to play for the Tigers, probably teammates and so on. I I can't say, but they did what they did. Uh, I mean, Kosuke Fukudome is from Osaka as well, so that wasn't a, a huge surprise. Lots of reasons. Mm, okay. I figured there was no situation involving the rights of the teams, but I thought about loyalty. But eventually, I just sent an email to Don Nomura, oh. uh, the super agent, and I said, Hey, Don. Uh, what's up with this? Is this is this something that we should look out for, or is this something that the players have promised, or that there's a gentleman's agreement? And Don was pretty blunt. He said the following. He says, I guess it's how they departed their club in Japan, amicably or not. Mm. Loyalty? Question mark, question mark. Stupidity? Question <laughs> mark. Maybe a combination of both. Uh, Irabu, Yoshi, they all went to different clubs. Sometimes it's the emotions... Or the emotional decisions like 
Yokohama will not sign Yamaguchi back because he departed from them, I think. Mm. So that's what he said. So um, combination of loyalty, combination of stupidity, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but apparently there's nothing that that uh, is holding, or there's no binding agreement that holds these players no. uh, to go to a particular team. But I would say this. I, I think it was, for me, it was uh, Hiroyuki Nakajima, and he went over to the States to play, and he, and he didn't do very well, and he was coming back to Japan. And I just assumed he would join the save the Lions. And that's the one team he has not even thought about, <laughs> it seems like, going back to. And he's like another guy who was from Osaka. So I figured that, you know, when he went, when he ended up with the Oryx Buffaloes, that that was someplace I thought he'd be really comfortable. But he never really got enough at-bats there or got enough of a chance to play there. And he's still fairly productive with the Giants. It's just weird. It's just so weird every time I see him in a Giants uniform because I remember him being the guy who, in the 2007 Japan series, helped the Lions beat the Giants, even though he had an injured oblique and really probably couldn't swing the bat very well at all, if at all. So it's just weird for me to see him in that uniform every time I see him in yeah, that uniform. Yeah, teams have all different kinds of policies, too. I mean, for, for years, the first uh, four years of free agency, the, the Daiye Hawks had a policy that they would not negotiate to re-sign any player who filed for free agency. Mm. I think I, I think when you buy the Hawks, you have to buy a bunch of sort of like antiquated, <laughs> like 19th century business ideas or something. Uh, they, they changed that when Kimiyasu Kudo filed for free agency. And they said, like, oh, you, you don't want to talk to me because I felt, oh, well, forget about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, no, that, no, that old idea. <laughs> yeah, who put that into your head? Come on. We're not, no, that's not that's, even in your that's contract. So, that's, that kind of thinking is so 1980s. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what's not 1980s next week because that's when we'll be talking to you again <laughs> um thank you very much for listening thank you for the question paul what an awesome question thank you again to nick martinez mm. and also remember we are doing a little bit of english with the english pacific league youtube channel so go there uh subscribe watch the videos as many times as you can and uh like i said the more you watch the more we'll be able to do and hopefully that will lead. I, we actually got a comment on the Reddit site where someone said, it'd be nice if you guys had some English commentary. Well, send write those notes and write those into the, the comment section on the YouTube channel so that the people at the Pacific League can read that and they know that, hey, look, we're watching. You guys are watching. You want more different types of uh, content. You want English commentary as well. And we can get that going for you hopefully next year. All right, Jim, you got anything coming up tomorrow? Do not. Uh, just the regular uh, newsletter. So if you are not receiving the jballallen.com newsletter, that means you are not subscribed. It's free. So go for All right. it. All right. Hit us up on Twitter with your questions at JBW Podcast with the hashtag High Heats and questions via email to Y-A-K-Y-U-J-O-H-N at gmail.com or hit us up on the Facebook page. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy your baseball. See you at the ballpark. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at J Ball Allen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag HighHeat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.